Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to deal with the rising cost of inflation to pay off your debt or your mortgage, pretty much anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Well, with Yahoo Finance, you can get access to the news, data, and tools that you need in order to help you reach that financial freedom. And when it comes to your financial future, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, you've invested all that you can. And now you need to take those investments to the next level by using what every financial great uses. Yahoo Finance. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. In case you missed it, yesterday I did my first live stream on YouTube. The idea was a Bitcoin challenge that I came up with, I think, last week. And I wanted to give uh, people who believe in Bitcoin the opportunity to kind of challenge me and see if they can convince me uh, to change my mind. And, you know, when I when I uh, thought about it, I didn't really understand how the live stream worked. I hadn't really done one and I hadn't even participated in them. So I, I thought people were going to be able to talk. But as it turned out, I found out that day that all the communication was basically via a chat, like a text message. So it made it a lot more difficult uh, for people to really effectively argue in favor of Bitcoin. So it really turned into me kind of explaining what I didn't like about Bitcoin and asking questions about Bitcoin. Uh, so if you want to have a listen to it, I mean, there's three hours. I, you know, I didn't really intend to talk that long, uh, but I was up from until uh, midnight on, uh, on this uh, live stream. But I did get a lot of positive feedback on the live stream. I know I did promise uh, at some point that I would be doing live streams and I finally got around to doing it. And so now that I started, I'm sure I will continue uh, doing it and on other topics. I mean, so the first one was on Bitcoin, uh, but we'll have all sorts of interesting topics for, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, live streams that we'll do in the future. But, you know, I do want to talk a little bit about Bitcoin, not much, because if you really want to hear uh, me talk about Bitcoin, you got three hours of uh, recording that you can listen to. But I did want to mention for the people who, you know, didn't listen to it and don't intend to, that, you know, on Thursday, which was after I recorded my podcast, uh, President Trump came out with a tweet in which he said he was not a fan of Bitcoin. And he said that it was not money and that it derives its value from thin air, which, of course, is true. I agree with Trump. Uh, I'm not a fan of Bitcoin either. Uh, he's also not a fan of Libra. Uh, I'm going to talk about Libra in, in more detail uh, than on, uh, on Bitcoin. But when Trump made that statement, of course, the Bitcoin community 
all news is good news as far as they're concerned. And uh, it was that, oh, this is great news that the president is tweeting about Bitcoin, even if he's trashing Bitcoin in the tweet. Obviously, that's not good news, especially when you consider why would Trump even be tweeting about it, especially when he referenced criminal activity and money laundering and stuff like that. It's obviously because he was thinking about uh, new regulation on Bitcoin. That's exactly what I thought. I was tweeting about that on Thursday and Friday. And then sure enough, on Monday, Mnuchin held a press conference and he basically said that the government was going to be doing something to try to make sure that uh, Bitcoin is not used inappropriately uh, for money laundering and to finance terrorism, which is all code words for regulation that is coming, which is negative for Bitcoin because regulation on the industry is going to drive up the cost for anybody who wants to own Bitcoin. For anybody who wants to trade Bitcoin, all these businesses, they are going to have a much bigger regulatory burden in order to stay in business. And of course, it costs a lot of money to operate the Bitcoin network when it comes to electricity. Uh, but now you're going to have all this extra government regulation. And initially, the price of Bitcoin kind of sold off. In fact, over the weekend, we got down below 10,000 uh, slightly. And then when Mnuchin had his press conference on Monday, and he didn't seem to really come down too hard on Bitcoin, but you have to read between the lines to really know what's going on. And I think there was a bit of a relief rally because Bitcoin rallied back up. Um, I think it got it got back up over 11,000. And here we are, as I am uh, recording this, we're back down at 9,600. In fact, we've taken out the lows uh, that we had, but I think we got as low as 9,300 and change. So we've taken out the lows. This is a new low uh, for this particular move. And as I've been warning, it's the altcoins that are leading the way. Bitcoin dominance at a new high now, about 66.5% of total uh, market cap. Uh, so it is the altcoins that are losing value even faster. But again, the Bitcoin community is trying to spin those lemons into lemonade. That is not good news uh, that people are, are losing interest uh, in crypto in general, nor is it good news. I read this article. This one guy was trying to say that the fact that fewer people are searching uh, Bitcoin online, uh, that that's also good news, which of course is nonsense because if more people were searching online, they would say that was good news. Look, all bad news is good news when you're trying to sustain a bubble. But again, don't want to talk too much uh, about Bitcoin. As I said, you got three hours of Bitcoin you can listen to. But I do want to talk a, about um, Libra, mainly because of the congressional hearings that I was watching today on Libra. And, you know, if you listen to these uh, congressmen speak, uh, the way they're talking, none of these people have any confidence or have any support for free market capitalism. I mean, the whole show was a ridiculous spectacle to behold, but it shows you, you know, what um, faith do we have that we are going to be able to stay a capitalist society or at least to keep what capitalism we have left when even the Republicans can't defend capitalism? Because basically they have representative from Facebook up there and every one of these congressmen is basically saying, how are we going to trust Facebook? How do we know that people can trust you? How do we know that you're going to maintain privacy? You know, what if you don't maintain privacy? What is anybody really going to trust Facebook? You know, stuff like that. You know what? That is a decision for consumers to make. 
That is not a decision for the government to make. Look, if people don't trust Facebook and they don't want to buy Libra, they won't buy it. Nobody is required to use Libra. Facebook can't force anybody into Libra. People have to choose Libra. So if people are worried that uh, their data is not going to be private, if they have trust issues, they won't buy. And if they won't buy, then the product's not going to be successful. And, and so then Facebook would be pressured by its customers to you know, really advertise their safety and their privacy and provide features that would assure a skeptical public consumer that, hey, we want you to use Libra and here's all the things that we're going to do to maintain your privacy. And if they can convince uh, consumers uh, to buy, then, then that's, that's how the capitalist market works. Now, if there's any fraud involved, if uh, Facebook lies to consumers and defrauds them and then uses their data in a way that they weren't supposed to, well, then there could be uh, civil lawsuits uh, for, from consumers who have been damaged. But there is no reason for the government to try to uh, clear this business by saying, we don't know if it's going to be a success. We don't know if the consumer is going to trust you. That is not uh, the government's uh, business. It is the free market. This, you know, Facebook cannot force anybody to do anything they don't want to do. So again, if they put out a product that nobody wants to use, that's the problem for Facebook shareholders. They're the ones that are going to lose money if it doesn't succeed or other investors in the Libra project because it's actually going to be operated separate from Facebook. So Facebook will have an ownership interest in this separate company that's going to run Libra. But if it's a, if it's a failure because consumers don't trust the product, well, that's a loss that the investors are going to have to bear. It's got nothing to do with the government. But of course, the impetus for all this, and if you listen to Mnuchin's a press conference in which he's talking about not just Bitcoin, but Libra. And I think the government is far more concerned about Libra than they are about Bitcoin. I mean, people are going to lose a bunch of money in Bitcoin. And so Bitcoin is no threat to the U.S. government. But I do think the U.S. government feels threatened uh, by Libra. But of course, what they are doing is they're trying to claim that their concern over Libra has to do with their uh, concern about criminals using it, right? about uh, money laundering or drug dealing or terrorists, that they might somehow use uh, Libra or obviously Bitcoin too. Uh, and, and so as a result of that, they have to get comfortable. They need to make sure that Libra can uh, be around and still abide by all these anti-money laundering rules and know your customer rules so the U.S. government can make sure that money launderers and tax evaders and drug dealers are not utilizing any cryptocurrency. And that is all BS. That is what the government says to justify the power grab. That is how the government cons people into surrendering their freedoms and their liberties, right? This is how tyranny is born. This is how the U.S. government sold the country on the Patriot Act, right? Oh, we need the Patriot Act so we can protect ourselves from terrorists that are going to fly airplanes into our buildings. No, the Patriot Act is about going after honest Americans. It's about the government keeping tabs on everything we do. You know, it's about uh, a complete loss of financial privacy. You know, I don't care 
to me personally, if some criminals use Libra or, uh, or, or a cryptocurrency, I mean, because that is a small price to pay for the freedom that honest law-abiding citizens have in being able to have some financial privacy and being able to have uh, sounder money. You know, I mean, one of the main reasons or the main reason that companies like Gold Money are not able to offer an even more competitive service and allow people to transact in gold rather than dollars is because of the regulatory burden erected by the state, uh, uh, ostensibly because they care about, uh, you know, criminals and making sure that criminals don't have access to sound money. But in trying to limit criminals from accessing sound money, they limit law-abiding citizens from accessing sound money. And, and so I think we would be better off because the, the cost of the crimes that criminals might commit is small compared to the benefit to society of having sound money. And the same thing that has to do with privacy. In order to make sure that the criminals don't have privacy, we have to make sure that nobody has privacy. We have to make sure that law-abiding citizens don't have privacy, and we have to arm the government with the ability to spy on all the citizens. And you know what? That is a dangerous situation because, hey, maybe some people don't trust Facebook, but you know what? I distrust Congress, the U.S. government, far more than I might distrust Facebook. And what my concern is, is how the government will use this information. Because again, remember, I don't have to use uh, Libra. Right? Facebook has to convince me to, to use Libra, but the government doesn't have to convince me of anything. The government just takes and the government just forces and orders. And even if we have a, an honest government now, which we don't, but you always have to think of how government could use the information that it is taking on all the citizens, right? Under the guise of keeping us safe, right? They, we have to surrender all this information about us. And we surrender our individual liberties and our freedoms for this extra safety that the government is promising. The irony of it is, though, not only are we losing our liberties and our freedoms, we're going to lose our safety too, because the threat to our safety comes from government itself, right? Not only are all of these so-called anti-money laundering laws, you know, preventing more efficient free market alternatives to government fiat currencies. Uh, but what they're doing is they're creating the mechanism where governments can spy on and go after their own citizens. Because as the government gets more oppressive and more tyrannical, right, eventually you could have a revolutionary forces building up within the population to try to overthrow tyranny, right, to try to have a revolt against a corrupt government, right? Uh, now, the corrupt government is able to utilize their ability to spy on everybody, which was given to them uh, by a population that, you know, was convinced that the threat was a private threat and they empowered government. And now the government is empowered to squash any type of insurgence, any type of rebellion. And the people that they're squashing are freedom fighters. They're, you know, revolutionaries who are trying to revolt against an oppressive government, a government that is operating outside the law, outside of its constitutional uh, restrictions. So you never want to make it so easy for the government to spy on law-abiding citizens and to know exactly what law-abiding citizens uh, are up to. I would rather uh, 
have a little bit more crime and a lot more freedom. I am not going to sacrifice my freedoms and my liberties just because the government promises that I'll be a little safer. You know, because the 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 loss to society, even the economic loss of our freedom and our privacy, is greater than whatever the criminals would have been able to steal uh, if they had a, a more effective way of laundering money. And of course, by the way, right? It, what's so hypocritical about all this is what criminals use more than anything is not cryptocurrencies. They use cash. They use hundred-dollar bills, right? If the U.S. government was so concerned about money laundering and crime, why don't they stop issuing the $100 bill? Why don't they make the $100 bill, uh, you know, just void it and say, look, you know, anybody that has a $100 bill, you got to turn it in right now and get 520s. And if you don't do that by so-and-so date, we're going to void them all and they're worthless because they, they don't, they like, the U.S. government likes the fact that criminals are using dollars. It's extra seniors gain. It means money that we print that disappears into the global criminal economy. The U.S. government is happy that criminals are choosing to use U.S. cash uh, in their activities. So this is all hypocrisy. The government doesn't care about that. What the real threat from Libra is to the U.S. government is that Libra would function as an alternative currency to the dollar, right? That's what they don't want. You see, had Facebook said that Libra was going to be backed 100% by U.S. dollars, I guarantee you the U.S. government would not have a problem with it. They would be fine. They would be happy about that because that would create additional demand for dollars. If Facebook was able to get a bunch of Europeans and a bunch of Asians to keep their savings in U.S. dollars, the U.S. government would be all in favor of Libra. What Libra did that is so threatening to the U.S. government is that Libra is going to be backed by a basket of currencies that will include the dollar, but will include a lot of other currencies. So the dollar is just one currency. It is not going to be the primary reserve. So now you're going to have a private currency issued by you know, Facebook's consortium, a private currency that is fully reserved, you know, 100% reserved, with a basket of currencies that will probably have a smaller uh, allocation to dollars than just about any other currency that is out there. And it represents a threat to the U.S. government and to the dominance of the U.S. dollar. And that is the threat that the government is concerned about. And also, the basket of currencies that would back up Libra is not fixed. And so what that would mean is that the people who are monitoring the portfolio, if they really see the dollar start to fall, they could reduce their allocation of dollars and they can put more money in sounder currencies. And again, this is a threat to the U.S. government because if everybody with a Facebook account can easily convert their dollars into Libra, and if Libra is tied to the value of currencies that are appreciating against the dollar, right? Well, then a lot of people will be able to use Libra to escape the dollar as a hedge against the dollar. And the U.S. government doesn't want that. The U.S. government doesn't want American citizens having euros and Swiss francs and Australian dollars and Japanese yen. That's what Libra will enable. I mean, most American citizens, the only time they ever have any exposure to foreign currencies is if they take a vacation, you know, and they have to, you know, buy uh, some euros because they're, they're in Europe. Uh, over the summer, but they don't actually own. I mean, obviously my clients, you know, Euro-Pacific clients, we have a lot of exposure to foreign currencies because we invest 
in foreign currencies, foreign currency denominated bonds, foreign currency denominated stocks. But the average person probably doesn't even invest in stocks at all. And to the extent that he does, he's buying U.S. stocks. So he doesn't have uh, foreign currency. I mean, you can't really have a bank account in America in a foreign currency. Just go try to do it. I mean, even try to take a check, you know, a Canadian check and take it to a U.S. bank. They won't even deposit it for you, right? It's very difficult for the average guy uh, to get out of the dollar. Uh, now, of course, you know, you, you could buy gold and silver. But again, that right now, other than, you know, having a gold money account, it's not as convenient to spend. But if you give something like Libra, right, which becomes uh, easy to spend, if you get a lot of merchants on board uh, with Libra, then that's an escape valve. But when a government is creating inflation and paying for government spending through inflation, it doesn't want an escape valve. It doesn't want people to escape the inflation tax. It wants people paying the inflation tax. That's what it is. And so when they talk about tax avoidance, like we don't want people you know, avoiding their taxes, tax evaders, the real tax they're concerned about people avoiding is the inflation tax. They don't want it to be very easy for American citizens to get out of their dollars and get into Libra. So that is really what all this is about. Everything else is a ruse, right? Because the government knows that if they said that's the reason, well, then nobody would buy it. So they always have to couch it in this language of protecting us, right? Protecting us from terrorists or protecting us from crime or money launders. That is the hallmark of tyranny. That is how government gets its power, right? It convinces the public that there's some threat out there, that they're not safe. And all they have to do is trust government, give up their essential liberties and freedoms, and the government will keep you safe, right? Well, if you do that, you're going to lose your freedoms and your liberties. But you know what? If you value your safety more, you're going to lose that too. That is the deal with the devil that people consistently make with government, and the government consistently screws them over. But, you know, getting back to these hearings, nobody that I saw, I mean, I didn't watch the entire thing, but at least when I was watching, nobody really wants to defend Facebook. I mean, apparently, you know, there's, you know, the public is really upset with Facebook about these privacy issues. Look, I mean, Facebook provides a free service. What do you expect? And if people don't uh, like it, they're free to shut down their Facebook accounts, right? Nobody is forcing anybody to, to use Facebook. But I wish that we had some defenders of free market capitalism. You know, uh, the government treats American citizens like they're a bunch of kids, like we can't think for ourselves. We can't make our own decisions. You know, government has to make those decisions for us. You know, you get all these liberals that really, what really bothers me about the liberals is when they talk about, oh, I'm pro-choice, right? Oh, I'm pro-choice. No, you're not. These liberals are anti-choice. The only thing that they're pro-choice about is whether or not you're going to have an abortion. So that's the only choice they, they, they trust you to make. Right. Yes, you can decide if you want to kill your baby. That's the choice that we believe everybody should have. But anything else, there is no choice. We decide for you. Right. When it comes to all these consumer protection laws. Right. It's all about saying the consumer is too dumb to make his own decision. And so the government needs to protect them from their own stupidity. You know, and we don't need government to protect us from our stupidity, especially when most people in government could be a lot more stupid than a lot of the people who would make better choices with their own money. But I think that people should be allowed to make their own choices, even if those choices are foolish, uh, because that's what freedom is about. That's why, look, I, I, you know, I talked about Bitcoin. I don't think the government should outlaw Bitcoin, right? I'm not saying that, you know, the government should 
tell people they can't buy it if they if they want to. People should be allowed uh, to do whatever they want with their own money. Now, I don't think people should be able to sell Bitcoin using fraud. So if somebody is induced into buying Bitcoin based on outright fraud, then I think that person may have uh, you know a, a legal recourse against a perpetrator of that fraud. Uh, but if people are simply uh, convinced to buy it, if it's their own greed that causes them to buy it and they just make a foolish decision, well, then they have to live with the consequences of that decision. That's what freedom means. It means living with the consequences of your bad decisions. But when you have the government trying to protect us from making bad decisions, they are diminishing our freedom. And that is where the loss is. It's a loss of freedom. You know, America is a unique nation in that it was founded on these principles of freedom and individual liberty, that the individual is sovereign and the government is a servant of the people, not to provide the people with things, right? We don't have a government in America to give us stuff. The government is not there uh, to provide for us. It's not there to take care of the poor. It's not there to uh, you know reallocate resources or tackle inequality or all of these grandiose plans that governments have right now. That's not why we have government in America. We have government in America to secure our liberties, to secure our freedoms. That's it, right? Everything else, we're on our own. Now, that doesn't mean I don't think that uh, poor people should be taken care of, shouldn't be taken care of, just not by the government. That's what private charity is for. See, America was a unique experiment in freedom and individual liberty. And the experiment was a overwhelming success. We created out of nothing the most prosperous society the world has ever seen, right? In the United States, based on those principles of limited government and freedom. The problem is those principles no longer apply because the Constitution is no longer enforced and the government is doing all sorts of things that it's not supposed to do. But how did it get the ability to do that? By bullshitting the public, by conning the public into thinking that they were better off giving up some of their freedom, giving up their liberty, and empowering the government to provide them with free stuff, right? Or provide them with safety. But it was uh, a deal with the devil, and we are now paying the price for this. But let me go on and, and talk a little bit about what's been happening in the markets you know, one of the uh, the big moves today was in the U.S. dollar, which had a rally today. In fact, it was up this morning, and then it rose even more uh, after the release of a better-than-expected retail sales report. So the dollar index up to about 97 spot 37. Yeah, the number they were looking for a relatively weak number on on retail sales, and the number came out better than expected. It wasn't a strong number. But it was just not as weak a number as had been expected. In fact, they did revise the prior month down slightly from 0.5% gain to 0.4%. Uh, but the gain that they were originally looking for in June, it was supposed to be just 0.1%. And we rose 04 And even uh, less autos, the gain, which was supposed to be 02 was 04 But we revised the prior month down from 05 to 04 So overall, it's not like it was that big uh, a, a beat. In fact, the, the, the biggest beat was if you stripped out gasoline and autos uh, because then you had a gain of 0.7% versus 0.4% expectations. But again, this is not really good economic news. I mean, and uh, it doesn't really matter because the Fed's going to cut rates no matter what. In fact, um, Powell was making a speech 
uh, on the other side of the pond today, and it was very dovish. I mean, he's going to do whatever it takes to keep this expansion going. You know, basically, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure that uh, this drug habit continues, that we that we stay high as a kite. I'm going to make sure that we don't do anything productive, that we don't, you know, try to uh, go to go through rehab and detox. I'm going to make sure that we, we we keep doing drugs. That's basically what he's saying. But the markets still don't understand that. I mean, they still think this is a good a policy to try to keep you know the good times going, even though the good times are not really good. And they are laying the foundation for some very bad times out there that are ahead. But, of course, that didn't stop Donald Trump again today from tweeting out that we have the best economy ever. I mean, it seems like every single day he has to remind us that we have the best economy ever. You know, if we really had the best economy ever, he wouldn't have to remind us every day because we would know. I think the reason that Trump has to try to beat into our heads that we have the greatest economy ever is because we don't. And he thinks, well, if I keep saying it, right, if I repeat that lie often enough, and to Trump, it's like every day, right? It's such a big lie that it needs to be repeated that often. And he's hoping that it's going to sink in. But it is going to backfire because he is going to get blamed uh, for the decline. And we got some uh, bad economic numbers today. The industrial production numbers that came out were weaker than expected. They were looking for a rise of 0.1, and we had zero. Uh, no increase at all. And even though the manufacturing number was a little better, the capacity utilization was a big disappointment. This is one of the lowest numbers we've had in a while. Uh, They were looking for an improvement over last month's 78.1 to 78.2. And instead, we dropped down to 77.9. So capacity utilization going down, uh, that is not a good sign uh, for future production or future employment. And in fact, on Friday, we got another hotter than expected uh, read on inflation, this time on the producer uh, prices. Core producer prices were up 2.3 uh, versus expectations of 2.2. They were up 2.3 the prior month. Year over year, core uh, PPI, I forget how many months in a row uh, we've been up on core PPI, but again, 2.3%. I mean, that's more than 2%. Again, same thing as we have with the uh, CPI, consumer prices. You have consistent year-over-year increases in the core CPI, which is the preferred measure of inflation because they always like to take out food and energy, right? And so they look at the core and we're north of 2% consistently and the Fed says we don't have enough inflation. That's why we're cutting rates. Yes, we have, according to Trump, the best economy ever, but because we don't have enough inflation, because our goal is 2%, and even though we're above 2%, somehow that's not enough, because now we just don't want 2%, we want symmetric 2%, and 2.3% is not high enough above 2%, so we need to make sure we have more inflation. But more inflation, more money printing, is bad news for the economy, it's bad news for the bond market, and look what happened again. Bond prices just continued to fall, they were down, you know, Friday and again today, the yield on the 10-year now back up to 2.12%. The 30-year is at 2.632%. And if you look at the charts, you know, either you can look at the chart of the yield uh, going up or the chart of bond prices falling because the price of bonds is inverse to the yields. But if you look at these charts, we are very close to taking out some key uh, moving averages and, and key trend lines. And we could be in for a major spike up in long-term interest rates, even as the Fed is getting ready to cut short-term interest rates later this month, which again 
is exactly what I have been forecasting. And I think I am going to be proven right on this particular forecast. But I think the most interesting development today in the market was in the metals market. I've been talking on the podcast for some time about the uh, spread between gold and silver and the fact that silver has never been this cheap in terms of gold, that the spread got to almost like 93 to 1 where you can buy 93 ounces of silver for one ounce of gold, which is incredibly cheap, meaning that it's a great time to be buying silver. And I've really been pounding the table uh, on people buying silver. Uh, I you know, recommended it again last night on my, uh, my live stream. I recommended it to the managed account clients on our last webinar, even encouraged people uh, to you know, contact their brokers and maybe buy more silver stocks. In fact, we had silver stocks today, some stocks up 10% or more on the day. Very, very significant jump up in the price of silver stocks, even though the price of silver itself did not have that big a move. It was only up 19 cents. But the significance of the move is that gold was down eight bucks. So not only did silver have a relatively large move, although not large enough to normally cause a silver stock to rise by 10%. But what was significant about it is it rose as the price of gold was falling. And this could signal, and it was looking to me technically that we saw some indications of this uh, last week. I added to my own silver stocks uh, last week. But what it looked to me like was that this trend was about to change. And we're still above 90 to 1, but we're close to getting back to 90 to 1 even. But this is still an incredibly uh, good opportunity to buy physical silver, uh, to buy silver-oriented stocks. But what I think this is showing me is that the bull market in gold is getting ready to kick into a higher gear because one of the... uh, aspects of the bull market that hadn't kicked in was silver. See, normally in a bull market in gold, silver outperforms. I mean, it happens in every bull market, but it hasn't happened yet. And what I've been saying is the reason for this is I think a lot of investors were still very skeptical that we were in a bull market. They were uh, concerned that the breakout was going to be false. They didn't believe it. And so they were, you know, they were not really buying silver. And maybe they were trying to uh, hedge their long golds by being short silver. I think, I think there's a lot of spread trading. I think a lot of people have been pushing this trend. I think there's silver shorts out there, and some of them are long gold. And I think today you had some people that have put on that trade have been covering it. And maybe some other people are putting on the reverse trade. They decided to buy silver and hedge it by shorting gold. And I think this is a bullish development for both gold and silver. And it shows that more people are beginning to embrace this bull market and want to get on board in the bull market and want to have more exposure to silver. Because if we're going to go to a new high in gold, if gold's going to take out 1900, which I believe it is, silver should outperform. Because every gold bull market we've ever had, silver has outperformed. So my feeling is that something that has always happened is likely to happen again, right? There's a reason that it keeps happening. And to think that it's not going to happen, that this time it's different, I think is, is a dangerous you know, few words to, to state. I would rather bet that this time is going to be the same. It's not going to be different. And if you look at the starting point, if you look at how cheap silver is in relationship to gold, then I think the upside potential in silver 
relative to gold has probably never been this great. Now, am I telling people to sell all their gold and buy silver? No. But if you don't have any silver, buy some. If you don't have any money, if all you have is gold, then you can exchange some of your gold for silver. I think it's a great time to do that. And I think what we're seeing now, the action that we're seeing in the precious metals market is indicating. I mean, we're going to be firing on all cylinders once we really have the price of silver uh, outperforming the price of gold. Remember, the Fed's going to start cutting rates now before the end of the month. So we're going to have the first of many rate cuts. Uh, quantitative easing um, four is just around the corner. The budget deficits are going to be uh, bigger than ever. You know, the official uh, budget deficit now for this fiscal year, uh, they're budgeting over a trillion dollar deficit on the books, which means off the books, the deficit is probably closer to two trillion than one trillion because a lot of the spending is off budget, so it's not counted, but it still has to be borrowed, right? When we raise the debt ceiling, one of the reasons we have to raise the debt ceiling is so we can pay the debts that are off budget, right? Those debts still have to be paid too, even though we didn't budget them. But that means they can keep talking about this $1 trillion budget deficit when they know it's a lie. And the media never calls anybody out on the fact that it's a lie because they ignore all the debt that they don't want to count. But when you put that in there, again, we're closer to two trillion and we'll be well above two trillion as this economy moves into recession. Now I want to finish up the podcast though. I talk a lot about the stupid things that American politicians do. And you know, American politicians don't have monopoly on stupidity, right? Politicians do dumb things all around the world. So I wanted to talk in particular about an article I read about what's going on in the UK regarding uh, summer vacations. And I read this article and apparently there's a big movement now uh, in the UK to get the government to put price controls on vacations, on holidays. A lot of people are upset that during the summer, right, and we're during the summer now, right, when the schools are out and people take vacations, that travel companies, right, end up charging people more, that airfares go up and hotels become more expensive during summer vacation. And they think this is terrible, right? Oh, everybody wants to take vacation during the summer. And so these hotel companies and airlines just take advantage of that and they jack up prices. And so they want price controls. They want to make sure that the vacations cost the same in the summer as they do in the winter. So people who want to take vacations don't get screwed, which complete asinine. Talk about a lack of understanding of the very basics of supply and demand. The fact that any nation that can call itself capitalist can actually have politicians take this kind of nonsense seriously. But again, it's a democracy over there in the UK, right? And voters want something for nothing. And what they want here is they want a cheaper vacation and they want the government to deliver them a cheaper vacation. Now, of course, any idiot, right? Basic economics, it's supply and demand. Why are things more expensive in the summer? Because that's when a lot of people want to take vacations. Well, they bid up prices. There's not enough hotel space. There's not enough airline seats, right? So if you want to take a vacation in high season, then you're going to pay higher prices. I mean, that's the way it is. The same thing, you want to take a, you want to go to a hotel on Christmas to New Year's? It costs a lot more money than if you go at another time of the year. Why? Because demand is higher. And so the free market has to allocate the resources and you allocate it based on price. What would happen if the UK actually succeeded in passing a law that said that 
vacations have to cost the same no matter when you take them, right? Whether you take them in the summer when school is out or the middle of winter, right? The airfare has to be the same. The hotels have to be the same. The, the tourist attractions, everything, all the prices have to be the same no matter how high the demand is. What would happen? Well, you'd have massive shortages. People would want to take vacations and there wouldn't be any hotel rooms. There wouldn't be any airfare. So who would get to go? Under a free market, the people who get to go are the people who are willing to pay the most, right? They, they're, and, and people who want cheaper vacations, well, they, you know, they, they take them at different time of the year so they can get a bargain, right? They don't go during high season. Well, if the government were to do this, there'd have to be some other way to allocate a scarce resource, right? So there'd have to be, what, some kind of lottery system or maybe it'd be a first come, first serve, right? You'd have to, you know, you'd have to book your vacation, you know, eight months in advance, you know, maybe more in order for you to get one of the coveted spots uh, because there'd be all this demand and there wouldn't be enough supply at that time of year, uh, you know, but then maybe what would happen is maybe somebody would book a hotel room and then they would sell it on the black market. They would, you know, people would get there early Right. They would they would they would buy they would buy up all the space and then they would illegally, you know, maybe it wouldn't even be illegal. They would just uh, sublease whatever they they had. Now, you I don't think you can't do that with an airline ticket you can't transfer it to somebody else's name. But, you know, you would have all kinds of black markets that have other ways to try to uh, ration these scarce resources. The only thing that makes sense, the best way to do it is to allow the market to allocate it based on price. That's, that's how it works. And of course, if the uh, government were to succeed in doing this, right, what would end up happening is the cost of taking vacations in high season would come down, although it'd be much harder to actually take a vacation because everything would be sold out. But the cost during high season would go down, but then the cost during low season would have to go up. Because a lot of times what happens is maybe a hotel makes most of its money during high season, and so it can afford lower prices to entice people to go in low season. Well, if it can't do that, if it can't get extra money during high season, well, now it has to keep prices higher during low season. I mean, and you know, and this is the only uh, system that makes sense. I mean, what the UK government should do maybe is uh, not, you know, punish. Apparently, if uh, parents take their kids out of school, they get fined, right? If they, if, they, if they miss too many days. I mean, why don't you let some parents take their kids out of school uh, in the off season so they can take a vacation or maybe stagger uh, the vacation so not everybody uh, is off at the same time. But of course, everybody wants the summer off. I mean, that's how the schools work. The kids are off in the summer and parents want to take family vacations with their family. And the only time they can do that is in the summer. So if you want a vacation in the summer, it's going to cost more money. That's a fact of life. But then you have governments trying to say, oh, we can change that. We can give you this free benefit. We can give you a cheaper vacation. And, you know, the UK government is different from the United States government, right? I mean, they, they, they weren't founded on the same principles that we are. But this is how people think of government, that government is there to give you free vacations. Government is not there to give you anything. Government is there to preserve and protect your freedoms so that you can earn the money to take a vacation. But that doesn't mean you can demand that the government pay for your vacation, subsidize your vacation. But that's what people vote for. They vote for free stuff. That is the problem with democracy. And what makes it so much worse is when you have government schools that brainwash people, right? You're forced to send your kids to these government schools. And instead of learning about the true history of the United States, you get brainwashed with all this political correct nonsense, right? And so by the time you're 
you graduate, you've been completely indoctrinated into this, and now you got to vote, right? And is it's no wonder uh, that we have the leaders that we have because look who is electing them. Oh, 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 oh,